Cherry Hill Volvo, we have absolutely incredible offers and a plethora of both new and certified Volvos from which to choose. We are eager to offer amazingly competitive prices, plus an additional $1,000 Costco discount on all new Cherry Hill Volvos. When leasing or purchasing a new or certified Cherry Hill Volvo, you become a valued part of our team. Join Cherry Hill Volvo for the pricing and attention you deserve. I am Judith Krepnick, president of Cherry Hill Volvo. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Lord Gay is out as president of Harvard after vicious anti-Semitic protests were going on on campus. Anti-Semitic speech, and she defended that after years of allowing censorship and being one of the least schools of freedom of expression. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here today. 855-839-1210. On Twitter, at Rich Zioli. And a vile, vicious woman that she is, she's now playing the victim card, of course, screaming that it was racism that pushed her out. And there's other people now screaming racism as well. But in particular, Claudine Gay put out a statement today, and this is what she said in her statement, and this is really, truly amazing. She actually brought up the fact that people were being racist and threatening her as her reasoning for why she had to go. Rather than take responsibility for minimizing anti-Semitism, committing serial plagiarism, intimidating the free press, and damaging Harvard's reputation, she plays the racist card. And this is, in particular, a quote from her resignation letter I will share with you. After... Uh, I have been subjected, frightening to be subjected to personal attacks and threats fueled by racial animus, is what she said. So she's, she's playing the victim card here and acting that she's now a victim of, of racism, even though that one of the people, Dr. Carol Swain, who was on the show with me a couple weeks ago, uh, who's also black, Claudine Gay ripped off Carol Swain's own words. She plagiarized from Dr. Carol Swain. And Carol Swain would be an excellent, excellent president of Harvard. In fact, that's the recommendation from Wilford Riley because now people on the left are screaming that it should be a black woman who takes over. It really should be whoever the best person for the job is, but Wilford Riley's point was, hey, it should be the best person for the job, but if that's your criteria, then how about Dr. Carol Swain? I mean, she'd be fantastic. But you see, she's conservative. She would never get that job. She's a conservative thinker. She's an independent thinker. But she leans conservative in her thoughts and her opinions. So for that reason alone, she would never get it. The, the, the DEI empire needs to fall. And it needs to fall hard. But CNN is even uh, covering for Claudine Gay, saying that she did sloppy attribution. Not plagiarism, mind you. Sloppy attribution. Here to talk about this and... So many other things today. It's always a pleasure to welcome back to the show the Chief Deputy Whip for the United States House of Representatives, Congressman Guy Reschenthaler. Guy, how are you today? Rich, doing really well. Happy New Year, and thanks for having me on. 
Happy New Year to you, my friend. It's going to be a great year, I think. We'll start with um, Harvard, I think, if you don't mind, because I know you were one of the outspoken voices, uh, which ultimately led to the resignation by the president of Penn. Uh, Claudine Gay, of course, resigned today as president of Harvard. Your thoughts on that? I love it. Look, the left is engaged in cancel culture with Republicans for, what, the last 10 years now? So it's time that we engage with cancel culture with them. But, Rich, I got to say, just like I said with McGill at UPenn, this doesn't solve the underlying issue. The underlying issue is the fact that these colleges and universities have become far too radical. They push this DEI nonsense um, and they've, they've cracked down on free speech where um, where, where speech is viewed as violence, but calling for the genocide of Jews, that's okay. That's somehow the, the one area of free speech where they find the First Amendment. All other speech, if you use pronouns incorrectly, then that's cause for you to be expelled from, from school because you're hurting somebody's feelings. But again, chanting from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free, a call for genocide. That's okay because that's just you expressing your views. So, so again, I'm glad that gay is gone. I hope more of, of, of these um, woke, uh, anti-Semitic college presidents are removed. It still doesn't solve the underlying problem. Yeah, no, you're right about that. And it's as a, as a defender of the First Amendment, I had no sympathy for these college presidents when they have canceled so many speakers over the years and they have punished students for their speech and they've not allowed debate. And then when you create an environment like that, Yes, you are held accountable for the speech that you ultimately do allow on your campus. And they allowed some very vile speech after canceling conservative speakers, for example, and canceling conservative comedians. And so, yeah, no, they had this coming. I'm glad it's out there. But you brought up the DEI issue. This DEI problem that America has is diversity, equity and inclusion standard that colleges are now perpetuating. It needs to go. I mean, it's dividing this country. It's causing so much animosity. It's based in lies. And ultimately, it's trying to bring America down a road of socialism. You're exactly right. And and that's not some conspiracy theory. We know that that after World War II, a lot of socialists and communists from Europe came over and they engaged in what was called critical theory. And it was the idea that you had to question everything in society, attack every institution. And the idea was that you could cause a socialist revolution, a communist revolution here in the United States. Well, that, that critical theory did not work until they added race as an element. Now it's critical race theory. Now that has taken legs because you, you can't attack Americans on their socioeconomic status. We're way too fluid. But when they found out that you can divide us, um, on skin color, that's really taken hold. And what's so scary is it's taken hold in these colleges and universities and the kids that are graduating, they believe in this nonsense. That's why you're seeing, that's why you're seeing such a divide between older voters and younger voters in support for Israel. Overwhelmingly older voters support Israel over Hamas. Overwhelmingly those that are under 25 support Hamas. And it's because of the radical ideology being taught to them in these colleges and universities. And you're kidding yourself if you don't think that this radical uh, attitude is is isolated just to the Middle East and, and is issues with Israel. It's with all facets of society. We're in for some turbulent times, Rich, uh, moving ahead.
Yeah, Guy Rushenthal, you're exactly right about that. And 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 as we think about that on a larger scale, let's let's talk about the border because you know there's no doubt the left is trying to. Uh, I mean, this is an invasion of the southern border. They want the country taken over. They're enabling this to happen. I think it's funny when you listen to these mayors of these cities who are all screaming about this now after they were sanctuary cities, and they just want everybody to have to stay in Texas. You know, at no point though. Is Biden doing anything about this? I'm sure you saw the polling that came out that said he's now Hispanic voters are now they're supporting Trump over Joe Biden. I think Hispanic Americans, especially ones who came to this country legally, have to be just as fed up with this as anybody else. That's part of the reason for this. But the left is purposely now enabling this southern border for the purposes of completely changing America. No doubt about it. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Well, it's not, there's a lot of reasons why the Democrats are enabling the chaos of the southern border. I mean, what you're saying is part of it. Also, the, the corporate boards right now, the corporate overlords clearly support the Democratic Party and they want cheap labor. And that's incredibly nefarious because you're taking to them. They want to take advantage of these workers that are coming across for cheap labor costs. Well, that exploits the illegal immigrant that's coming across who's working in the shadows, not getting paid livable wages, et cetera, et cetera. It also hurts blue collar American workers who now have their wages depressed because they're competing against illegal workers. Um, It's completely nefarious. Then you also have a whole other school of thought that America is to blame for all the ills of the world. And we owe it to the to the world to allow open and free immigration for immigrants to come in and take part in, in, in our society. Uh, so, so you have this perfect storm of bad ideas, and they're playing out at the southern border. But Chris, just uh, Rich, I'm sorry, just to put not, just to put numbers on this, yeah. you you had in December the highest level of illegal immigrants. You almost had a quarter of a million illegal immigrants encountered at the southern border. You in one month, you had 17 members, uh, people on the terrorist watch list that were caught, which, Rich, that begs the question, well, how many were not caught? They came across, it only took 19 terrorists to pull off 9-11. You just caught 17 in December. And then also in the, in I believe, Q3, Q4, I forget which quarter last year it was, there were more illegal entries into the United States than births in the United States of, of actual citizens. Um, if you were to put all the illegal immigrants together, it would roughly be the population of Virginia. They'd have between 
five and seven representatives in the House of Representatives. And just just in just in, I believe, December, you had a population that that came in that was the size of Pittsburgh and Miami combined. I mean, these are staggering numbers, not not to, not even to touch upon the fentanyl issue where you have three roughly 300 people a day dying of fentanyl overdoses in the United States. Again, directly attributable to the poor southern border. So, Guy Rushenthaler, what are Republicans going to do about it? I mean, you're the chief deputy whip in the House. I know that uh, the speaker's trying. I know you guys are trying. I know the administration's pushing back on this. What can we do? So, Rich, we, we've passed H.R. 2, which was that it was a very robust border security bill, the first border security, security bill we passed since the mid-'90s. Obviously, that didn't become law because the Senate didn't pass it, but we passed it last year. We're still in the same legislative session. What we can do is we can negotiate um, H.R. 2 get passed by the Senate in order for them to get, let's say, Ukraine funding or some of the spending packages that they want to pass. Uh, or, or parts of HR two get that get that to be tied to what the Senate Democrats want. That's really the only thing we can do. And then then ultimately we need to take back the White House because so many of these decisions are being made at the executive level. Where if we got rid of Biden, we got get rid got rid of Mayorkas, and we went back to the Trump era policy, Trump era policy of remain in Mexico, ending catch and release. Um, making sure portions of that border have a wall, which helps immensely. Uh, perhaps instituting e-verify, uh, which would which would lead to lead to self-deportation because uh, big corporations would not be able to hire the illegal immigrants because of e-verify. So all of that is what we can do, but that's 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 contingent upon one us playing hardball, making sure we get wins on the border for what the Senate Democrats want in other funding, again, like Ukraine, and then also us retaking the White House, expanding our majority in the, in the House and retaking the Senate in 24. You know, the the other question, and, and somebody asked us, this is a, 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 an important point, too. You know, you have a lot of Republicans who are unhappy with the Ukraine funding because they feel as if this is never ending. They feel as if this is just there's no accountability here. None of this. But it sounds like a fait accompli. It's just going to happen. It's going to keep happening. Do you think that changes, though, if Trump gets elected president? I I do. I mean, I think he's made it pretty clear that this will end if he if he wins the White House. For sure. And the reason is because Putin realizes that Trump, Trump means what he says and says what he means. Um, He's also incredible. Trump is willing to use military action to achieve our, our means. Remember, he took out Soleimani. Um, people around the world were going nuts. He actually took out a high-ranking Iranian um, uh, official. He dropped the mother of all bombs on Afghanistan to destroy their tunnel system within months of his uh, administration. Actually, might have been weeks. So this is a man that will use power to achieve our ends. And the, the world was a safer place under President Trump. It was under Obama and under Biden where you had Russia invading parts of Ukraine. It was under Biden where you had the surrender of Afghanistan to the Taliban. And then you have, of course, all this saber rattling uh, with China, with the Houthi rebels, etc. Trump will bring uh, an end to this chaos. But getting back to the question about Ukraine, look, at the end of the day, this is this is a thousand shades of gray here. Uh, We should want to deplete Russia's military capability. I totally agree. But I also don't think that Ukrainians should be paying the price in their blood for the United States to just degrade Russia's military capability. There needs to be some kind of end goal on this war. And I find it rich. 
ironic and hypocritical that people that are calling for a ceasefire with Israel and Gaza are the same people that are saying whatever it takes, however long it takes, blank check given to the Ukrainians. Um, it, it's, it's a complete double standard, which shows the hypocrisy of the Latin. Oh, no doubt about it. But of course, Joe Biden didn't do any business in Israel, so he has no problem asking, you know, telling them what to do. But he did do business in Ukraine, so they have the receipts. He, he will never, ever put stipulations on them, and, and it'll never end as long as he's president. Well, he, well, remember, he did put one stipulation on Ukraine, and that was when they had to fire a prosecutor that was investigating Burisma, the board of which Hunter Biden sat on. Uh, there's the quid pro quo. So so the, the Democrats impeached Trump for something that Joe Biden actually did. But but you're right. Going back to Joe Biden, this guy took money from all kinds of shady, shady nations across the world. Romania, Kazakhstan, China, uh, Ukraine, which is the most corrupt, corrupt state in in Europe. And that's all going to come out during this impeachment inquiry. We're going to be able to show. Just how many times Biden met with Hunter Biden, President Biden met with Hunter Biden's uh, work associates, all the money that it was like something like 15 million dollars in a whole bunch of shell corporations that were controlled by Hunter. Hunter, who has email saying that he had to give his dad 50 percent of all his pay. Um, uh, email saying that he had to give a certain percentage that, that was held for the quote unquote big guys. All this is going to come out in this impeachment inquiry, and we're going to be able to show that Joe Biden has much more in common with Whitey Bulger than he does with JFK. <laughs> I love that. I love that analogy, guy. Guy, That's great. Uh, well, good. Thanks, I mean, I, you know, I'm glad you guys are doing this. I think it's important. I really do. We have to get the truth out, and we certainly cannot rely on the corporate media for this. I mean, I, I laugh when I hear these these Democrats go on TV and, and, and the media parrots this and says, you know, there's, there's no evidence. There's not a scintilla of evidence. I mean, the evidence is all there with Joe Biden. The problem the problem is, of course, is that you have the United States Department of Justice and the IRS who completely ran coverage for him. And that's why the whistleblowers came forward to you guys and, and said, look, we know how to find this out. We can we can uncover all this. It's right there. But they weren't allowed to. And now this falls on the House of Representatives to do this because you have the Department of Justice literally play defense for the president. Exactly right. I mean, you have all the institutions, whether it be the DOJ, FBI, um, the, the legacy media, the corporate media, as you describe, describe them, running interference for the Biden administration and for Hunter Biden. If, if Hunter Biden's dad was not the president right now, he would be in federal prison. Um, just not only for tax evasion, this is a guy that avoided paying $1.4 million of taxes over a three year period. He also lied when he was purchasing a firearm about drug use, which is a punishable, which is, you end up in jail for that. So I think that the Biden, this, the protection is going to going to have to end when the press has to cover the impeachment inquiry. And when we haul Hunter Biden in before, uh, before the house to testify. So, and, and look, a lot of people think that the end goal has to be the impeachment of Joe Biden. The end goal is just, is just airing the dirty laundry of what the Biden crime family did and then allowing the American voters to have that in 2020, we know through polling through Rasmussen polling had Americans knew about the Hunter Biden laptop, Biden would have lost the election. President Trump would be president right now. So part of what we need to do is we need to get the truth out there to the American people. We're going to do it through this impeachment inquiry, regardless of whether the impeachment actually takes place or not. I agree with you. Last question is, I know you're a busy guy. Uh, Pennsylvania, obviously, you uh, represent us in Congress, uh, in addition to being the uh, chief deputy whip. 
how important is Pennsylvania going to be in 2024? Oh, it's critically important. I mean, just if you just look at the House, first off, it's important, obviously, for the presidential um, with the amount of electoral votes we have. And uh, Trump, by the way, is ahead in Pennsylvania. But we also have three pickup opportunities in the House of Representatives. Um, I, I think two are very likely, three, three are really at play. And then as far, as far as the Senate goes, uh, we've got a great candidate in yeah. Dave McCormick uh, against Casey. And that is a win-win situation for us. Obviously, I want McCormick to win. But just us having McCormick run against Casey forces the Democrats to spend tons of money in the expensive media markets of Philadelphia and Pittsburgh. So they're going to drain tons of resources in, in here in Pennsylvania, which is going to make it a lot easier for us to pick up Ohio, Montana, et cetera. And I also think McCormick is going to beat Casey. So we might pick it up, but either way, we force we drag them into to an expensive battle, and, and um, it's a win-win for us. So look, the, the White House could likely, the path to the White House could likely run through Pennsylvania, but certainly um, expand, taking the Senate and expanding the House, that also runs right through Pennsylvania. Um, we are the true court. We are the true Keystone State, Rich. Uh, yeah, I said last question, but I lied. Uh, I just saw breaking news. Your colleague, Elise Stefanik, is now saying that you and your colleagues in the House, uh, this is just the beginning. She's saying there's going to be uh, big probes to come of the rot that is uh, going on on college campuses. I know you said the, the DEI stuff at the start of the interview, Guy Reschenthaler. Uh, Republicans then are going to go and look into these colleges and, and try to get to the bottom of this once and for all? It's, a, it's about time. And look, if once Elise is on an issue, she's on that issue. She's she's ferocious. And she's the one that really broke into the, the McGill story when she was questioning Gay and McGill and, and the others at that hearing. But Rich, there's so much we can do with these colleges and universities. For one, why do they have tax exempt status when they're sitting on endowments that they could they could perpetually go on? Yet they're still charging these students tuition. Maybe it's time to look at exempt at taking away their tax exempt status if they're taking advantage of these these students. Also, why are they not liable for for students that are getting out having not telling them how much money they're going to have to pay in student loans and how long it's going to take to repay it? I can't buy a car or a house without a truth and lending information form telling me what the APR is, how long it's going to take, et cetera. The colleges and universities should have to say, if you major in gender studies, you're going to make $30,000 a year, and it's going to take you until you're 80 to pay off your $200,000 in student loans. So why, why don't we have transparency there? And then lastly, what about a student's bill of rights? How about that? If they're accepting federal funding, then we should have the First Amendment have to be applied and then have causes of actions for the students to then sue the school when their First Amendment rights are violated. And that doesn't even talk about the kangaroo courts that you have going on where, where lives are being destroyed in these kangaroo courts behind closed doors where you have no ability to cross-examine witnesses, no ability to compel the production of evidence. Um, we need to end those kangaroo courts and push those cases into the criminal justice system where they where they belong and where a defendant gets all the rights afforded to them in the Constitution. That's just the start of what we should be doing, Rich. Yeah, well said. I, I'm so glad you brought up that issue. That is incredibly important, and it doesn't get enough coverage. Guy, I look forward to having you on a lot this year, because I do agree with you. Pennsylvania, we got a real big chance here, and I appreciate all the work you're doing, my friend. Thank you very much, and we'll have you back on the show, I hope, a lot this year. Thanks, Rich. We'll do it. Happy New Year again. Happy New Year. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? 
Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.